Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another episode of Real Presence Live. We're coming to you today from the beautiful Near Southside Historic District in downtown Grand Forks. Father James Gross, a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, joining you today. And I am joined, as always, by my compatriot here, my classmate from the Diocese of Fargo, Father Jason Leffer. Good morning. Whoop, whoop. It's good to be with you. Here we go. We have some great conversations on tap for today, but uh, we are going to start our program as we've been beginning these last several days in the run-up to an important memorial in the church tomorrow for St. Monica, as we are thinking of so many of our listeners and so many people who have loved ones about whom they are concerned to um, uh, try to uh, have them uh, return to uh, right, right relationship with God and to uh, practice their faith once again. And I'm going to call upon you, Father Leffer, to lead us in today's Novena Prayers. Very good. Let us begin this broadcast in a very powerful way. Uh, today is the eighth day of the Novena to St. Monica. Today we pray for those who feel abandoned by God. May they come to see God working in their lives, restore their faith in Him, and come home to His church. And so we begin our prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Exemplary mother of great Augustine, you perseveringly pursued your wayward son, not with wild threats, but with prayerful cries to heaven. Intercede for all mothers in our day so that they may learn to draw their children to God. Teach us to remain close to all God's children, even the prodigal sons and daughters who have sadly gone astray. Dear Saint Monica, troubled wife and mother, Many sorrows pierced your heart during your lifetime, yet you never despaired or lost faith. With confidence, persistence, and profound faith, you prayed daily for the conversion of your beloved husband, Patricius, and your beloved son, Augustine. Grant me that same fortitude, patience, and trust in the Lord. Intercede for me, dear St. Monica, that God may favorably hear my plea for those for whom I am praying. Grant me the grace to accept his will in all things, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, as now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Saint Monica. Pray for us. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Leffer. And tomorrow, of course, is the Memorial of St. Monica, followed by the Memorial of her son, St. Augustine, on Saturday the 28th. I suppose it's only fitting that St. Monica comes first in the calendar. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Mom first, and then everything else falls in line. That's right. That's right. If Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? That's the old saying. Now, for our first segment of the day, we are going back into the uh, treasure trove of literature. And we have with us once again our uh, regular uh, literature uh, guest, Nancy Gord. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. And we are also joined by one of our uh, fellow priests of the Diocese of Fargo, Father William Slattery. Welcome back to Real Presence Live, Father. Thank you so much. A great day to be here. Excellent. Yes. And if I recall, yes, was it yesterday or two days ago that um, at uh, John Paul II Catholic Schools, uh, you guys kicked off the school year? On Tuesday, we started. So we're in our third day. Fantastic. So you're getting the kinks out and getting back into the rhythm of everything. Good for you guys. Yeah, everything's <laughs> in motion. It's a great and joyful time now at the beginning of the year. Yes, yes, it certainly is. So, um, Nancy, let's turn to you first. Um, what book are, have you guys chosen to uh, visit with us about today? Well, we're taking a look at The Hobbit, and uh, which is a, it's just such a pleasing, classic adventure. It's got this interesting, unique protagonist. Um, as I reread it in preparation for this program, I noticed how much it reads like a long bedtime story. And you've got your good versus evil, you've got a, a classic quest format, and you've got some elements of fairy tales. So there is much in this book. The, you know, as we, uh, in preparation for this, so I always like to go back and like do a little history about the, the beginnings of things, whatever. And, and it, it's, it's interesting that you say it read that way, because that, that's exactly how Tolkien um, brought it about. It said, it, it, I saw this thing, it said it, it started, he was correcting students' papers, and there was one paper that had a blank uh, uh, page on it, whatever, and he found himself writing writing the famous line of of the Hobbit to begin okay. with, you know, uh, and uh, and and then and then it just evolved into this thing from one little word that he put on a piece of paper, and it and it took many many years actually for him to put it together, but it was written as you say from like a bedtime story to be read to children, and really to be shared by adults and children alike. Right, so that it transcends uh, just one generation in terms of the kind of genre. And uh, I, I think I probably find myself in the position of a lot of our listeners today where um, uh, this has been a few years ago already. I remember I, I bought uh, this book, The Hobbit, and I started reading it, but um, I did not persevere. And I think <laughs> what happened with me is that the the... the the genre, you know, the the, the fantasy uh, genre, things like that, just really isn't necessarily in my wheelhouse, and I kind of uh, feel bad about that. So maybe, uh, Father Slattery, you have some thoughts about this in terms of maybe persuading somebody to take another run at this if they've been hearing people talk about it. And, of course, um, you know, we'll talk a little bit later about some of the other uh, commercialization of, uh, you know, with the uh, the films and things like that. So, um, uh what would your sales pitch be for somebody like me? Well, I think uh, one of the things is if, uh, you know, for us to understand uh, the saving work of, of God's grace and in the mystery of redemption, uh, one of the things that Church encourages is what's called a sacramental imagination. 
um, a way of uh, again seeing the world that transcends the just normal way that we can kind of go about our everyday business and kind of the materialism that can often dominate our worldview. And so this is, I think, one of the benefits of uh, this genre, and especially at the time it's written, um, where J.R.R. Tolkien, um, you know, and, and others, like Chesterton, um, C.S. Lewis, are writing in this kind of uh, mythological or legend-style format uh, was to capture this uh, great ability of the human person, of imagination, that has the, uh, the capacity to uh, transcend reality of how we form it and then embrace and understand God's wisdom. So that would be my encouragement. Uh, so- Slug through, uh, stretch the imagination, because it's not only going to help your mind, but also it's going to feed your soul. So, so Nancy, why why would you say like this genre that Father so beautifully described there? Why is it so important that say parents or even grandparents would do things like take fairy table tales or fables and and actually spend the time reading them out loud to their children? Why why is that so important in the human development? Well, first of all, you get the closeness. Usually, there is somebody close sitting by you or on your lap or tucked into bed. So you have that kind of reading intimacy. And uh, the, the actual speaking of the words, and especially if it's someone who struggles reading written text, and then you can put emotion into it, and you can change the voices, you can put some excitement into it. And I, too, have been known not to totally embrace fantasy as a genre, but so many people do. You know, they get into rune language and, and other surroundings. And it's a good way to teach moral lessons. And, so, and as fairy tales oftentimes do. But there is a lot in here in this book. And I think both Thorin and Gandalf say this to Hobbit. There is much more in you than you know. So let, let's hop on in there. Uh, Nancy, could you set the stage for us and give our audience, what, what is the plot for this famous classic, The Hobbit? Well, I'll give you a very generalized plot. It is a quest, and it is dwarves who are generally good, but they can get greedy, <laughs> who are going on a quest to retrieve their treasure taken from them, and it is being hoarded in the Lonely Mountain and guarded uh, by an evil dragon. And they enlisted, through the recommendation, basically, of Gandalf the Wizard, the help of Bilbo Baggins on this quest. So it is a quest to retrieve this lost treasure of theirs. And, uh, Father Slattery, when we're talking about some of the, the characters that play in, um, uh, what, uh, what, what really kind of strikes you about... Um, uh, some some of the main characters. What are sort of the uh, distinguishing characteristics that really that really stand out for you in this story? Yeah, I think uh, some of the kind of interesting notes of like kind of Tol- Tolkien's development of his literature is he really kind of captures these almost races of people, um, whether the dwarves, the hobbits, uh, the wizards, the men, and the elves that they uh, they meet along the way and are part of this uh, story and adventure. Uh, he he puts flesh to them, and so uh, you know, kind of some of the the, like the main main story is this quest of the dwarves and Bilbo with Gandalf to the Lonely Mountain, but they encounter this kind of full world that 
Tolkien develops. Um, and they kind of each of these uh, different groups have their cultures, their kind of ways and modes of living that are particular to them. And uh, as, as Nancy pointed out, they're kind of virtues and also kind of their tendencies towards vice. So whether it's the dwarves and kind of their ability to labor through and work and uh, and build these beautiful things, but their tendency to hoard and to grasp after wealth. The hobbits, which are kind of these people who uh, generally just kind of enjoy the comforts that are good, the simplicities of life that are wonderful, uh, but a tendency just not to move or to not be interested in the affairs of, around them um, and not really travel from their doorsteps very far. Um, and these are kind of, uh, I think, the characters that kind of grow throughout this story. And, and it, part of this is that view of the, the hobbit of uh, Bilbo and how kind of being the smallest and least of these kind of greater peoples, he becomes the fulcrum point of the story in quest. So, Nancy, could you introduce us to to Bilbo, Gandalf, and Thorin? Those would probably be the three main ones that we would want uh, want to hear about. Could you give us a, a rundown of who those three characters are? Absolutely. Well, Bilbo Baggins is the Hobbit, and it's an interesting, unique being. Uh, loves creature comforts, loves tea, loves his Hobbit hole. Uh, he is generous when visitors come, but he likes creature comforts. Now, there is an adventurous side to him that comes from the Took family, and he is kind of marked by Gandalf, who appears just sporadically throughout this novel as a person of worth. He's called the Good Burglar, <laughs> and um, he has some attributes because he is small, and he makes some discoveries along the way, like the ring. And uh, he ends up being very, very useful in the, in the quest. He finds out the vulnerability of the dragon, actually. So he is just this unique, kind of bubbly in a way, yet hesitant in a way, actant in this quest. And then Gandalf, the wise, kindly wizard, who pops in and out of the story at opportune times. And then, I'm, and then Thorin, who is the head dwarf, and comes from a, a very noble lineage of dwarves, is really the leader of this expedition. It's he and, I believe, 12 other dwarves who are sets of brothers. We'll have to just pause there for a moment as we're having a discussion this morning about J.R.R. Tolkien's classic, The Hobbit. We are joined by Nancy Gord and Father William Slattery and Father Leffer and Father Gross here in Grand Forks with Real Presence Live. We will continue this conversation after this break. Please stay with us. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA, or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. 
To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our planned giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director at Riverview Place Senior Living Community in Fargo. For over 35 years, we've been honored to nourish our residents in mind, body, and spirit. We offer a full calendar of activities, events, and faith-based programming, and the best food in town. Our independent and assisted living residents thrive in our warm, comfortable, and compassionate community. We'd love to meet you. Call Marin or Katie today at 701-237-4700 to line up a tour. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision provides eye exams for the whole family and specialty services like vision therapy and custom contact lenses. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Moto Eyewear, which gives away a pair of glasses to a child in need for every frame sold. We are so grateful for your support and grateful to be supporting RPR. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on a Thursday as Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross are joining you from the Grand Forks studios. Just a reminder that at the bottom of the hour, we will begin our Straight Talk segment. 877-795-0122 is the number to call with your questions about things you're curious about with regard to the church or the um, uh, eventful world in which we are now living, whatever the case may be. And Father Leffer and I will try to do our best to respond to those. You can also leave those questions on the Real Presence Radio Facebook page. So, uh, Nancy and Father Slattery, we're coming back to you as we are talking about The Hobbit. And uh, I wanted to just uh, tell a little just a little story. There's been a trilogy of films in the last few years that have been made, uh, you know, encapsulating much of what is uh, included in this book. And I remember the first time I heard one of those titles for uh, a movie, it said, The Desolation of Smog. And I thought to myself, yeah, you know, air pollution is a big problem in certain areas. And <laughs> Wait a minute, that's S-M-A-U-G. That's, the, that, 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 that's this pesky dragon character, isn't it? So what, what, what's the story with him? Well, he is just one of the evil creatures. I mean, you, you get, as Father is kind of talking about the different characters that are portrayed in this novel, you quickly learn that elves are good, goblins are bad. You know, and Smog, the dragon, the evil dragon who has caused so much havoc and dest- destruction, is guarding this treasure they wish to retrieve. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a nasty man, a, a, a very, uh, well, I'm saying he's a man. We aren't given a gender, but we're assuming he's got very masculine strengths about him that are classic for the time. And he's very destructive, lots of fire, lots of threats, lots of danger. He can just eliminate a town at will. And uh, he guards the treasure. And it's interesting that Bilbo, because he has found this magic ring as through his encounter with Gollum. 
he knows that he becomes invisible when it's on, and he approaches the dragon and finds out different things about him. And actually, what I think is kind of interesting, you would think that the major conflict in this would be the dwarves versus the dragon, but actually it's a man from the lake town in Archer who does the dragon in. And then there is a following subsequent battle. The Battle uh, of the Five Armies, I believe it's referred yes, to. Yes, it is. Okay. It is. And so he's eliminated somewhat before the conclusion of the novel, The Dragon Is. But no, and, and that, again, is a classic element of a fairy tale, The Dragon. Well, I have to say, you, you, you skipped over one of my most favorite parts, is where the trolls capture them and are sitting there talking about how they're going to eat them. <laughs> oh, that's, yes, yes, the three, the three trolls. Yes, trolls are not, are not jolly good fellows at all. Well, there's so many parts to that quest. I mean, it is a, it is a quest story, so there's just so many parts of that journey before even they get to Lake Town, the Lonely Mountain, that are... Uh, areas that the dwarves and Bilbo have to kind of overcome these challenges, whether it's the dwarves or you get the, the spiders and you have the, uh, the elves that are in the, in the Mirkwood forest that uh, are, are kind of these hurdles they have to pass. And they, through that, uh, one of the things that shows is the kind of the strength and worth of Bilbo. Okay. Now, I also wanted to follow up on something here, Father Slattery, as we're talking about, and we'll just um, uh, sum up in a few minutes with regard to some of the more overt Catholic or Christian themes, but we would be remiss if we didn't mention the author uh, that... um, Tolkien, really, um, I think among Catholic intellectuals, even though it's been almost a century here, you know, since this particular work was written, um, among Catholic intellectuals, uh, Tolkien enjoys just a sterling reputation, and is somebody who is very much renowned. Um, what is it about uh, him as as a author, as a scholar, that you think has made him so enduringly popular, especially in Catholic circles? Well, I think uh, for for Tolkien as a figure, uh, there there is the kind of great uh, way he threw his kind of heart and soul into this work of fantasy that we find not only in the Hobbit but Thor of the Rings and the Silmarillion. You have this kind of uh, deep kind of presentation of uh, these moral values that are authentic and true to uh, to our culture that uh, that you find in a new presented way. Um, these are old things. Some of it is kind of uh, re- restoration of old Norse mythology and uh, just general kind of Roman mythology, along with a very high Christian symbolism that are kind of wrapped together. Um, Tolkien, um, as a young uh, boy, uh, was kind of very strong in his Catholic faith, and uh, his Catholic priest was uh, very influential in helping to raise him, uh, having lost a parent. And uh, during his time, then, uh, as a professor and writer, um, he he worked uh, very hard to uh, to kind of present these kind of authentic English values that were there, um, and the history of kind of the English culture that grew, um, and presenting the people of England with their own kind of mythology, uh, and that's kind of what what the the whole background of Lord of the Rings, Silmarillion, and Hobbit entails is this kind of long dedicated work brought to fruition uh, in a creative way 
And uh, I think for, for Catholics, the big point that we draw out is one of the things he talks about in an essay, that at the heart of every good story is the Eucharist. Uh, the heart of every good story is the, the reality that life uh, passes through death to resurrection, and you kind of see these elements in, in the stories that he tells. Nancy, would you uh, have anything to add about some of the primary Christian uh, themes that you see uh, reflected in The Hobbit? Well, primarily this idea that what you can find, because The Hobbit is, is, Bilbo is not this large, imposing hero. But all the good value that is in him, the things he doesn't realize about himself, how we always look at people as Christians and recognize their value and worth, that they can do good work, that they can be brave in certain situations, and that we always appreciate that in people. And then again, what makes, you know, life worth living? Is it our companionship and our faith that we have, and in communion with others, we embrace that? Or is it the mountain of gold upon which the dragon sits? You know, what really has value in our lives? Mm -hmm. You know, I've always wondered... Like, there's this role, and yeah, I'm trying to get reconcile this, but the eagles, the, the role oh, the yeah. eagles play, where, um, you know, it's like they're, they're at the end, and also, you know, like the eagles swoop down and lift them up and save them, I, or they come to the battle and make a difference. I, I've always wondered, well, you know, I think when I first heard the story, it's frustrating, well, well, if the eagles are just going to come in and save you, why weren't they there from the beginning? Why aren't they there the whole time? Why, you know, kind of a thing? Or I, for some reason, I was always frustrated with the eagles. Maybe, I, what, what, what can you tell us about the eagles? What role do they have, or what Christian theme do they represent? Yeah, well, I, I think, almost uh, wonder if Tolkien didn't include them rather late in the battle in terms of, you know, you have to take stock of your own bravery and your own self. And then again, you know how messages were kind of transported? How far away were they, and how late did they get information? I don't know that I'm altogether clear on that. And it's interesting, though, the eagles, you know, we talk about goblins bad, elves good, eagles good. Well, the wolves in the story are horrific. I mean, there's a, there's a tribe of, a type of wolf there, the warg, that is just vicious. But what is interesting here, too, is the part that birds do play. The eagles do seem to come, and I think it was the eagles who actually saved him from the wolves, ultimately. Correct. And uh, Father Slattery, do you want to follow up on that? Yeah, I think uh, ultimately, I mean, one of the important Christian themes is the understanding of providence. Uh, and I think that's kind of what the eagles point to. There's a lot of people kind of read them as like almost a deus ex machina. Uh, oh, yes. You know, part yeah. of the story that... Mm-hmm. You know, Tolkien wrote himself into a trap, and now you got to get yourself out yeah. somehow, and so Some suddenly great. you have this movement. Um, but I, I don't see it that way, because I think it really is, uh, in even how Tolkien will later kind of draw even the story of The Hobbit into the greater story of Lord of the Rings, uh, there's just kind of this movement of a will that's there uh, that rep- respects and works among our free will, uh, but ultimately uh, assists and brings about uh, what it deserves to accomplish. And I think that's what kind of one of the ways that this symbolized is just the kind of complete free and uh, unexpected way in which uh, a grace can operate in a providential manner. 
Excellent. Well, we just have a minute left here, so if we could, we'll ask you to look ahead a little bit and see if you've been ruminating on what uh, you might be uh, considering for the next time that we visit uh, for, uh, for something to review next month. Yeah, so I think next month we're going to look at uh, a short novel written by G.K. Chesterton called The Napoleon of Notting Hill. It's a comedic and uh, kind of humorous novel uh, that touches on uh, a little bit of, uh, of, of culture and uh, Catholic social teaching. There's one more to add to my queue of uh, things to read. I know I've got something waiting. I've got something waiting uh, from him. Uh, the everlasting man. People oh, have been read recommending. It. Oh, read it. Read it. Read it. Read so, it. but uh, yeah. yeah. So the Napoleon of Notting Hill. So we're going to have to um, mark that up and and check it out. You know, and probably the, the way to end this segment is say we've been there and back again. <laughs> 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 oh yes, indeed the the famous uh, the famous subtitle, or probably the uh, that was the, the line that the Tol- original working that was the title. line that Tolkien yeah. wrote on the napkin when he <laughs> or not the napkin but the uh, the student's paper that got it got him stimulated to write the whole adventure. So <laughs> never, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. We're all transformed and and more confident now after going there and coming back, just like Bilbo. Huh? And that that's <laughs> looking ahead to Chesterton. That's always his theme. You know, you have mm-hmm. to go around. You have to go around the world to discover yourself. And so that's yep. yeah. Excellent. Well, you certainly have piqued your curiosity, and uh, not only about uh, next month, but what we've been speaking about. So, Nancy and Father Slattery, thanks so much again for spending uh, time with us, and uh, uh, blessings uh, to you and the rest of your day. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So uh, get uh, ready. Get those questions ready for Straight Talk, which will be coming up next. And later, we'll be chatting with an auxiliary bishop from the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, Bishop Andrew Cousins, about his part in the plan for a Eucharistic revival. That's all coming up on Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.